You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 95, covering Reunion and Future Imperfect with Gav Brown. Hello, friends. We are back, and our pal Irish Gav is here from the Drunken Time Travel Podcast. Good day. <laughs> our pal Australian Gav yes, is here. Yes, finally. I've been wondering if he existed. I knew about Austrian Gav, but not Australian Gav. So. <laughs> oh, Austrian Gav. <laughs> so many bad things. Always invading Poland. <laughs> that guy. Ugh. <laughs> uh, isn't it nice that we don't just say our friend Irish Gav, we can actually say our friend Irish Gav of the Drunken Time Travel Podcast. Which you should be listening to. Like, now you have a title. <laughs> I have a thing now. Yes, you have a sash like Worf. And soon you'll be nice. <laughs> Will he? Sure. Is that how that works? Yeah. You can get knighted for podcasting. It's like the only thing you can get knighted for now. Wow. The Queen's a huge fan of podcasting. <laughs> Her iPod is just full of podcasts. Oh boy, uh-huh. another one from Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> what luck for me, the Queen. I get to clumsily knight him. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Kevin Smith was beheaded today by <laughs> She's the Queen. Everyone. She's going to cut off your ear. <laughs> All right, so we have two, I think, good episodes mm-hmm. this week, uh, and the first one belongs to Gav. So why don't you tell us about Reunion? Thusly. Thusly. Uh, okay. Excitement, intrigue, and death. It's a man's life in Starfleet, which is what Picard is thinking when they're investigating radiation anomalies. Why can't he have a sexy mission? <laughs> Just then, a big fuck-off Klingon ship appears. Ambassador Kalar hails them. It's a woman's life in the Klingon Empire. <laughs> you might remember her from such sexy dreams as Al's. Uh. She, beams, she beams aboard with a midget Klingon. No, wait, it's her kid Alexander. The Klingon Chancellor is on death's door, having been poisoned slowly with Galorndon Core or Verdian <laughs> Six or something. Whatever happened to Anthrax? <laughs> oh, they had a top 30 hit this year. The Chancellor also tells Picard he'll be Arbiter of Succession, kind of like Simon Cowell of Klingon Idol. <laughs> the two wide-eyed warriors hoping to become the stars are the unknown Gauron and Duras, who had a huge success in Shit My Dad Says. Oh, and one of them is the Poisoner. The Chancellor dies, but never mind that. Worf is concerned that his two-year-old son isn't a warrior. <laughs> Kaylar explains she didn't tell him uh, Worf about him, as uh, he would want to do the honourable thing and marry her, or kill 50 triples or something. <laughs> At the Sun Chi ceremony that involves poking the dead Chancellor with a stick, a bomb explodes. Worf checks up on Kalar, who suggests Worf be Alexander's friend if he can't be his father. She really doesn't know Worf that well, does she? <laughs> to increase the length of the arbitration so they can investigate the bomb, Picard introduces the summarized Proust and swimsuit runs, <laughs> which makes Duras impatient and itchy. <laughs> Meanwhile, Kalar starts digging into Worf's discommendation. Probably by watching Sins of the Father. <laughs> Not the Spider-Man 35-parter, that is. <laughs> Duras checks his, her Netflix account and goes to pay her, pay her a visit. The bomb investigation finished, they find that it's of Romulan make and that Duras is involved. Worf and Alexander return to the quarters after a fun time training for death and mayhem to find death and mayhem, specifically Kalar's. Worf howls at the moon and leaves to grab his batwith, dropping off his lucky communicator and lucky sash. <laughs> Duras and Worf fight, and just as Riker and Data find him, he plants a, a batleth in Duras's chest. Garon is, I'm sure, quite pleased about this. 
Someone who isn't quite so pleased is one JLP, and he <laughs> issues him a reprimand. Now, don't do it again. Realising that Alexander will cramp his new murderous style, Bohr ships him off to his adoptive parents on the USS Hood, as it was busy this week. It's a bachelor's life in the Enterprise. Back on the uh, bridge, Picard is stirred from his daydream about a dangerous Klingon mission and the death of Kalar. He's still investigating radiation anomalies, but he begins to daydream again. <laughs> I'm, Wal I'm Walter White, and Wesley is my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I think the, the thing that jumps out most from that uh, summary is you pointing out that uh, everyone poked... Uh, the Chancellor with a stick, yes. which is which is a running thing in, in your Doctor Who podcast because the Doctor pokes things with sticks all the time. I like it's part of their constitution that they have to poke people with sticks. Well, it's one of those pain sticks, like at Worf's uh, Bar Mitzvah or whatever the Apparently, hell Apparently, if you're dead and you're Klingon, you can't feel pain anymore. That's how you know. Because <laughs> you're in Stovacor, where there's no pain at all, or all pain. I don't know. So it's whatever they feel like that week. Yeah, it's, it's very I don't want to, to feel pain this week. Well, I, I do. I also like how paranoid they are that they have to check that they're dead by poking mm. them with pain sticks. That seems right. It seems like there's probably some historical precedent there where, you know, a Klingon leader faked it. A Klingon leader without a head woke up. And yeah, exactly. And started slashing people with a bat left. Okay, we're sorry. Jesus. And that's this why was... Klingons can't have nice things. <laughs> <laughs> this was the first, well, I guess Sins of the Father was really the first to, to sort of bring the Klingon stuff you know, mm -hmm. to what we know it as now. But this one, I mean, you got you got one of the new Klingon ships. You got uh, Worf really fighting with his Batleth, and it looked like a nice, like, Yeah, they actually figured weapon. out a way of having him use it that did look stupid. Yeah. And or or, or killing it, himself. Work. Yeah, exactly. He could have just sliced his own arm off with mm -hmm. the thing, but he did pretty good. And, oh, um, what's that? Oh, man, my arm. <laughs> oh, no. Um... But no, I, I really liked it, and I, all, all their traditions and all their, you know, I mean, they're weird, but they kind of make sense when you think about it, and uh, I quite liked it. Mm -hmm. No, it was a good episode. Uh, Gav, good thing, bad thing? Oh, yes. Um, okay. Good thing was uh, just a reaction to, uh, just the fact that Jurassic Code only reaction to that. Well, the reaction to that more than anything. Uh, oh, from, yeah. From Data and, and Picard, mm. you know. Uh, well, Data's hilarious reaction to that, and uh, <laughs> and then and then Picard. The scene with Picard afterwards, sort of, uh, he was. I was very disappointed in him. He was, he was very disappointed, <laughs> and, and there was that again. pause where he says, "Do you want to resign from Starfleet?" Yeah, you know, he didn't say no straight away. It was like a few seconds before that. Yeah, no, I that this specifically the death of Doris, I did not expect that. No, I think I, Matt, you mentioned that you thought he was going to back off and not do. I that. I was flat out shocked that he just fucking stabs him in the especially the way they they frame it. Like, yeah, it just it he, it's, it seems brutal. He it slams seems like down he, the the yeah. bat left, and I'm I'm assuming it's going to be one of those wings ones where he jams it next to his head or something. Right, and don't do it again. Yeah. And no, he, he impales him. That'll teach you. Yeah, well, it will teach him. Stay and now, off my lawn. Now they have to jab him with paint sticks to make sure he's dead. <laughs> no, I, I really like that, and I thought I remembered Duras being around during the, the forthcoming uh, Civil War plotline, but I guess I guess not. So <laughs> That's little Duras. Yeah, little Duras. <laughs> Alexander Duras. <laughs> Uh, and your bad thing? Father! Uh, bad thing, I suppose, it's not really a bad thing, but I think he should have had a demotion or something, you know, just mm -hmm. to make it seem more yeah, serious. Like, yeah, he did just murder the shit out of some guy. I, see, I've thought about this, because you both mentioned that, and 
I, I agree, but on the other hand, it's a weird sort of tricky gray area because technically he didn't do anything wrong. If it was within Klingon law mm-hmm. and he's a Klingon and he falls under their laws, then it seems like he left the Enterprise, he took off his stuff, mm-hmm. and he, as a private Klingon citizen, he did something that was legal there. But I mean, like, I mean... It was during a mission. Yeah. Right. I think that's what it's, makes it more complicated. It's during, a, it's during a mission. And the thing is, he might be a Klingon, but he's also a Starfleet officer. It doesn't right. matter if you take off your badge or whatever, you're still a Starfleet officer. And there was, I, I, I don't want to say full-on cliche, but definitely like in a cop movie where the cop has had enough and he throws mm. his badge down and he goes and does something off the record and yeah, it was a bit like that. I will say that I enjoyed the fact <laughs> that when he threw his badge down and he missed the table. Yes! <laughs> I didn't notice it the first time, but I did spot it the second time and yeah. Whoops. Pretty great. Well, leave it in. See, I think it made it look like he was angrier because mm-hmm. he didn't carefully set it down, he just sort of flung it. Which was nice. Stupid badge. You're not going to help me at all. And now that's even better when you think of the Picard scene afterwards, like Picard's the crazy chief. Right. Uh, well, Mr. Walk, you're a loose cannon. Always... <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. Because <laughs> he gets results, stupid Picard. <laughs> <laughs> what about the rights of my kid? No one cares about your kid. <laughs> he just wants his kid back. Or, <laughs> or he wants him not to be back. I Something, I don't know. No, I, I, I did, like I, like I said, I thought about whether he should have had a demotion or whatever, and I can kind of see both sides of that. You guys are right that he's also a Starfleet officer, and they keep bringing that up because the Klingons have this great thing where because he's been discommendated, mm-hmm. is that a word? Discommendated? Yeah, discommendated. Sure. He's, he's been cast out. He's a pariah. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that, when he enters a room, they're like, uh, what is that doing here? <laughs> I mean, which, which I love. I love that reaction. Not what is he doing here, but what is that doing? I mean, technically, if you really want to get, he's not a Klingon. Yeah, he is a true. Starfleet officer. So really, yeah, he and wasn't they, in his right to stab anyone. But that's what I'm saying. Picard played up. You know, well, he's my security officer, so he's allowed to be yeah. here, right? Uh-huh. Uh huh. I guess so. But no, they they actually address that when he goes over to Kildaras. They say, um, yeah, but she was my mate. Oh, oh shit! Well, okay, we're fucked. And it totally seems like that would be a thing for Klingons. Mm. If you killed my mate, I get to kill you. I do like that. It's just as soon as he says, he's like, "Welp, better yep. get my batleth." Yeah, and I also I know like, what we're doing today. I like that Duras didn't have a batleth; he had a sword. Mm. Like it was. It's nice that they have different weapons. They're not all the same. Yeah, you know, the same thing. <laughs> they are all the same. Yes, uh, Matt. What about you? Good thing. Bad what thing? did my good thing? Let's see here. Uh, so I thought this was another awesome Klingon episode. If I had to pick a single great moment, uh, it'd be Worf killing Duras. That was a long time coming. Yeah, it was. And it surprised the hell out of me when he actually went through with it. Yep. Scene where uh, Worf teaches Alexander to use his batleth is also pretty, like, it's a pretty sweet scene. Yeah, the the thing about Dorn is, you know, he's usually angry so often mm-hmm. that seeing him play, I don't want to say tender, but you, he, he really cares about the kid and he cares about Kalar and he plays this nice sort of... He adds some depth to the character, yeah. and you can tell that he's really passionate, and I don't know, I like it a lot. While still being Worf. Yeah, exactly. So, no, but, no, you have to picture it as an extension of your arm. Right. But, Father, it doesn't actually work as a weapon. <laughs> oh, yeah? Wait till the next scene. I'll Shut show up, you. I'll show you. <laughs> no one tells me what to do. Yeah. And... I, I get results. <laughs> Here, let me, t- let me take it to the captain. He'll tell you. He does get results. Yeah. He is a loose cannon. Now get this child away from me. <laughs> What is that doing here? <laughs> Gavin and I were talking. I don't know that Picard's ever been aware of Ale- I mean, I say ever been, but will ever be aware of Alexander. Like he never meets him? Yeah, I think for all we know, Picard doesn't know that Orf has a kid at all. 
I like the idea of Troy sidling down next to him. Have you ever heard the legend of Worf's son? <laughs> That's an urban legend. It's not true. There's no Klingon child on this ship. Oh, there's only one Klingon, and it's Worf. We sprayed for them. <laughs> there are no children on this ship. I keep my eyes always above above that level. No children. <laughs> uh, your bad thing, Matt? What is my bad thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, I w- it was really hard picking a bad thing on this one. Yeah, it was. Uh, which is surprising, considering Brendan Braga wrote it. Yeah, he w- well, the the writing credits came up, and it's like 14 people, and it's like, okay, this is not going to be good. Yeah, yeah. But, and he was one of them, and I was like, okay, this is really not going to be good. Mm. But, uh, no, it was quite good. But uh, I got to go with Kalar dying. Uh well, that wasn't a bad thing in the sense that we usually say, like, it, 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 it's a it's a failing of the episode. The actual death was pulled off really well. It's off yeah. camera. It's utterly brutal when they sort of come and discover her when body. They discover yeah. her. Um, it, I was just sad because I like her. Yeah, me too. Obviously. <laughs> and, and it was Rick Berman's idea, I think, to, to kill mm. her. Really? Huh. I think there was a, what was it? I was reading on uh, Memory Alpha. Uh, she originally lived at the end, and they're like, well, there's no real stakes here. Yeah, that's true. No, it, it it was way better for Worf emotionally. Mm-hmm. And they were upset about it, too. It's like, no, we like her, too. We don't want to kill her, but yeah. we have to. Well, and the thing is, okay, yeah, I, I as Gav correctly pointed out, I totally have a crush on Susie Plaxon. Mm-hmm. I think she's very sexy. But I also think she's a good actor, and I think that character adds something to this crew that they don't have, yeah. which is a strong female presence. She's strong, but she's not butch. She's yeah. she's clever. She's, she's just awesome. Yeah, and especially in this episode, you see her trying to solve the mystery of what happened to Worf. Mm-hmm. And she's she's like one step ahead of everyone else, and that's what gets her killed, but she's she's really good at it. Sorry, I just picture her putting on a deerstalker hat to solve that crap. <laughs> <laughs> Borrows Data's like pipe and yep. hat. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were missing on the night of the 31st. <laughs> they create an accusing parlor on the holodeck. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, my good thing, well, Kalar, duh. Uh-huh. But like I said, my creepsterism aside, she's a great character. And uh, like I said, she would have made a great addition to the crew if uh, somehow they'd contrived a reason to keep her there. I don't know what she would do. And if she was just hanging out as Alexander's mom, that wouldn't be good enough. No, she'd have to do something. She'd sit in Captain Picard's seat and make sarcastic oh, comments. <laughs> there was, yeah, there was the scene where she's giving them the briefing, and she's sitting at the head of the table. <laughs> and uh, but Picard's just sitting there thinking, what, is, "Is no one going to say anything? Why is she sitting in my seat? Really? How did this happen? Worf, this is the only reason I have you. <laughs> Keep people out of my chair. No children on the bridge, and no one sits in my damn chair. Yeah. Um, as for my bad thing. Uh, I don't know. Um, I noticed in Worf's quarters, he's got all these weapons. He's got a batleth. He's got some swords and daggers. And then he's got Tasha's spiky glove oh, thing yeah. from season one. That's the that's the worst thing I could come up with. That thing sucks. Yeah, it does. Why would he even have that? I, wanted so- I also wanted something to remember her by. <laughs> I wanted to remember that time that she went to Africa planet. Yeah, space Africa. Not good. Okay, we gotta talk about Gowron and his giant bug eyes. I love Gowron's crazy eyes. Oh, I do too. But... Like, and I was so happy that they were just there from the first episode. Like, Gowron's gonna be around for a long, long time. Yeah, he's he's pretty deeply involved in a nice running plot in DS9 yeah. season, like, four or five. Yeah, and we're, like, we'll, we'll, uh, we're gonna see a lot of him. Yeah, and it's great. He's got, I mean, apart from the eyes, which I don't think he blinks... And they're just giant and always sort of bulging out. But apart from that, he's got that great intensity that you want from a Klingon yeah. actor. And 
some of them are better than others, but he's just like, Jesus, if you're in the same room as him, it's it's like, It's not even that he's intense, it's that he looks completely insane. Yeah. Like he's going to murder you at any second. And I think a lot of Klingons need to be like that. Mm -hmm. And he enjoys it. Yes, Yes. exactly. He totally does. Whereas Duras is just doing it because he wants the power. Yeah. Whereas Garonia just wants to kill people. Yeah, he's he's totally into being a Klingon. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is what we do. This is great. Best time. I like like Duras as a bad guy, and I like him as a really shitty Klingon. Yes. Because he does collaborate with the Romulans, yep. because he does kill people when they start getting close to his plot. Like, he's he's a terrible, like, he's the anti-Walter White. He's mm-hmm. the anti-Batman. Like, he doesn't have a plan for anything. No. And he Apparently keeps, his plan is to just poison his cares away. I guess. <laughs> and Which, Yeah, he doesn't even bring every, four, he just brings a sword with him. He doesn't yep. even bring everything he needs. Just like just like a Duras bringing a sword to a bat left. Damn it, you beat me to it. <laughs> I um I I really liked the idea that he poisoned him and it ends up being sort of like they talk about how that's a cowardly thing to do. That's a Romulan mm-hmm. thing to do, and it ties nicely into him being a Romulan collaborator. He is sort of a coward in their yeah. eyes. He he is sort of a like they don't do the sneaky thing. They don't do espionage. Yeah. They don't do like that's Romulans or Cardassians do that stuff, but Klingons are just very direct. Yeah, no, th- there's a line in there about uh like when uh I when uh the Klingon high commander's telling Worf that he was poisoned. Mm-hmm. And it's like Worf is all you know, up until when when he finds out Duras tried to kill him, it's just like, well of course he did. That's Klingon politics. When he finds out he poisoned him. Yeah. That's well, unacceptable. That's just disgusting. Right. Um, I, I also like that Worf pretty much found out how to be a Klingon from reading Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, yeah, he doesn't actually know, the only thing is all theory and facts. It's not, cause I think Algar said before, whenever you, you actually see Klingons, they're all well, drinking they and singing mm-hmm. songs and yeah. having fun and Worf's just all the serious theoretical stuff. Yep. Well, and it's nice, this pays off more in Deep Space Nine when we get the, the war and you see a lot of them together fighting. And you realize Worf is sitting in a corner listening to opera and drinking prune juice, and the rest of them are just drinking and fighting and just like, having a great time. And... Oh, God, Worf, he's just the worst. But <laughs> for now, for the most part, he's our model of Klingons, and mm. we think they're all like that. And we find out later they're not at all. No. That's always been one of my favorite things about Worf. Yeah, and, and I think Ron Moore kind of has that in the back of his head. I think he's sort of building that now, and it'll mm. pay off a little bit later. And uh, as we've pointed out before, and as you know, as he has pointed out, he kind of built Klingons the way we know them, mm-hmm. and I think he did a great job. I really feel like more than any other alien race, they're this whole culture. They're they're, this they're whole... like just so perfectly fleshed out. Yeah, exactly. And you really get an idea every time you're introduced to something new. It's like, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that fits. That works. Of course, they kill the people who kill their mates. Of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's a death howl. <laughs> now. Worf will always, like, Worf is going to repeatedly have to make that howl. Mm-hmm. He's like a Joss Whedon character. Everyone he loves just dies. Yep. <laughs> Poor bastard. Terra, no! <laughs> Although, to be fair, he kills most of them. What's true. that? To be fair, he kills most of them. Ah, that's true. <laughs> it was nice to see uh, Kempek again, the, uh, the, the original Chancellor that we mm-hmm. saw in Sins of the Father. He's still fat. Yeah, I, li- I like that guy. Yeah, me too. And he had well, nice... I worked really hard to become high chancellor. <laughs> he had a nice sort of grizzled, like, I've been here a long time, and, you know, I'm an old man and I expect to die kind of thing. Now so I'm like... being poisoned. <laughs> and we looked him up. Apparently he's done nothing else except also appear as a Klingon in Gav's favorite Star Trek movie, apparently. 
Yay. Star Trek V. Star Trek V. I'm going to assume he plays his father in that one. Probably. Because, of course, he would. Ugh. No, I just, I in general, I liked it. I suppose we should discuss Alexander a bit. Yes. Um, this is the first appearance of Alexander. Uh, the tiniest Klingon. I love the scenes where Worf and Alexander are walking down the corridor, and I think they tilt the camera slightly, but mm. not much. So that he just looks, like, so tiny compared yeah. to Dorn, who's just massive. Well, and that first shot when he appears, and uh, Kalar and Alexander beam onto the Enterprise, you got Kalar, mm-hmm. and then you have Alexander, who is about an inch tall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like that they don't bonk you over the head with, this is your son. She mm. never says that. She's, she just kind of gives him a look. And he's like, well, who? And she's like, you know. And it's nice because they don't insult your intelligence. Yeah. It's just like... I just picture Worf just grabbing his shirt. Oh! <laughs> but it's nice and because... he's just told Alexander his father died in the Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, there's a nice payoff at the end where Worf is like... Because throughout the episode, he's like, well, I can't tell him because of my dishonor and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and Kalar's died and he's gone through all this stuff. He's like, you know what? Fuck it. And he like holds the kid's hand and he says, yes, I'm your father. And... He actually smiles a little, yeah. which is really off-putting because Worf doesn't smile. And it, I don't know, it's very sweet. And if, if Worf smiles at you, you're fucked. <laughs> and indeed, Alexander would go on to be fucked. Well, yeah, because he <laughs> sent him off to live with his parents, uh-huh. where there'd be no trouble at all. <laughs> I, I wonder I wonder how happy they were about that arrangement, and I know we'll find out later. There's a fun conversation. So, here's a fun thing. Uh... You remember Kalar? I think I told you about her in one of my letters. Uh-huh. Well, as it turns out, why can't you send the child to live with her? Well, funny thing. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're really sort of retired now. <laughs> Looking at the uh, technical manuals. <laughs> he has all the schematics. A lot going on over here. Really don't have time to raise another Klingon child. Is, uh, is Worf's dad uh, a Dracula? Yes. Ah, <laughs> Bleh, send him back to the castle. Bleh, I don't drink blood wine. <laughs> uh, what else? I mean, it's, it was just so good, I can't It was really a really good episode. Pick things apart. Um, it's there, interesting. There's a bit where Kalar mentions that uh, the Klingons will be in the Civil War and I'll drag in the Tholians and the Ferengi. Really? Mm-hmm. The Ferengi? <laughs> I mean, they might sell guns to people. Yeah, that's true. We 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 hear later, like through Quark, that they get into arms trading and stuff. Yeah. But I can't imagine I, them actually fighting. I can't imagine them being at war with anyone just because they probably wouldn't be very good at it. No, they would like they'd hire people to fight wars. For well, them. can you can you really fight a batleth with a laser whip? And then the the uh, they were supposed to be at war with the Federation until they met them, and then the Federation were like, "Really." We're at war with that. <laughs> you? Huh? No, yeah, no. Uh-huh. All right, you know what? Uh, we can probably fix this. Yeah. What do you guys like? Money? Okay. <laughs> That's your one characteristic? All right, we All can right, handle cool. this. We can work with that. I love the way Picard deals with Klingons. I love when, like, he says on screen and they appear, and he changes his posture, mm-hmm. and he changes his tone, and he's just like... He meets their gaze, and he's just like, fuck you, I'm not going to be intimidated by That's you. That's all part of his, like, diplomat thing. Yeah, but it's great, because he's really a better Klingon than Worf is. Oh, totally. Once, <laughs> was it you were saying that? Like, once again, Picard is better than everyone? Yeah, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was a better something than someone else, mm-hmm. and now he's a better Klingon than Worf. Oh, he was a better Vulcan than, uh... That's what it yeah. was, yeah. Better Vulcan than Spock. Yep. 
No, and he's so he's just so good at it. Like Patrick Stewart, obviously, is good at it. But I like the way they write the character, where he just and and I think it's unification, where they're trying to intimidate him on a Klingon ship, and they're like, "Well, you'll have to eat our food. Good. You'll have to sleep I, on our beds. Fine. That's good." Like he just doesn't yeah. care. He. I'm looking forward to having gas. Having not yes. gas in ages. <laughs> It's it's fantastic. He just he doesn't back down from them. And there's a point where they're they're almost coming to blows in the uh, in the conference room, and he just yells something and cling on at them, and they all kind of sit down. Sorry, sir. <laughs> Me up. <We're>... Yeah. <laughs> Our reigning Klingon language expert, Gav. Cause <laughs> <laughs> all, all I know is like the one thing. Kapla. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. it. <laughs> No, no, I know Nuchnech, which is uh, how you say hello, but it really means what do you want. <laughs> That's so in character. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, what else? Anything? Um, what else? Alexander, Kalar, doo doo doo. Galron. Galron. Dale. Oh! Alexander has this great, like, he, t- they really sort of do a good job of making his cl- his head ridges look like Worf's head ridges, yeah, which I thought was, was really neat. Yeah. But they're a little less pronounced. Well, yeah, because he's a little. Because, yeah, well, that and he's not fully Klingon. Mm-hmm. I was trying to do the math and it hurt my head. <laughs> because Kalar's half human mm-hmm. and Worf is full Klingon. Mm-hmm. I think that makes him a quarter human, I think. I mean, by that point, it's got to be, like... He's mostly Klingon. Yeah. So he'd be three quarter. Yeah, so he's a quarter human, which accounts for his wussiness. I the think. only the only human trait he has is that he's not good at being a Klingon. Yeah, <laughs> but Worf has that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's not necessarily human. Of all the Klingons I've encountered in my travels, his was the most. Oh my! Um, and I love that uh, Worf keeps bringing his honor up to uh to Kaylor. She's like, how do we care? Oh, her her attitude toward Klingon stuff, and we mentioned this last time, is so great because she's just so, yeah, they're looking for an excuse to start a war, and Data's like, an excuse? She's like, yeah, you know Klingon crap. They'll, they'll fight over anything. Yeah, they just... <laughs> Those guys. Yeah. I also love Worf loses his honor, and there's almost a civil war. And this happens like five more times over the course of the different series where like, you realize this isn't that big a deal. Everyone always loses their honor. Mm-hmm. And everyone's always fighting a war. <laughs> My honor! Yeah. Oh, you'll get it back next week. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's this huge deal for Warp, and everyone's just sort of secretly... What is he? Yeah. He should be working to get his honor back, maybe. This, no? is, this is how it works here. Everyone's yeah. always stabbing someone in the back and... Honoring it up. Yes. Honoring it up. Honor! What else? Um, She's dead. Uh, I, I like that the ships uh, face each other, um, whether well, their allies are always uh, traveling beside them, mm. but always oh, yeah. the Klingons are, are opposite them. <laughs> That's a good point. I didn't notice that. I did like, and this is just a very small thing, but I like the giant Klingon ship and then the two birds of prey sort of decloaking on either side. Yeah, just sort of above it. there. I know, it's just a neat effect. The um, This is the first time we get the new Klingon ship, too, and I like it. I do. Uh, Gav, you mentioned you're you're not a big fan of that one? No, it looks like they've been playing Tetris and then they've designed it. It just seems <laughs> very blocky to me. It is very blocky. You're right about that. Whereas the other ones are, like, smoother. There's much honor in playing Tetris. Well, like, the original one had, like, a sort of spherical thing at the at the front. The uh, Like, the, the original ones you saw in the original series, mm-hmm. and then they sort of did a, a version of that in, uh, in Star Trek VI. Like, there was some rounded bits to it, and this one didn't have that at all. I could, I could totally see that. You can sort of see the... Um 
like with the older with the with the older birds of prey, you can sort of see the influence of that being like those ships that may, they maybe bought off the Romulans or were designed by the Romulans. Right. The new ones are more sort of like, well, we built this and we weren't really sure what we were doing, so we just sort of soldered a bunch of crap together. <laughs> we bought this bit from the Ferengi. Yep. Yeah. We're not really good at ship building. No. And I always wonder about that. I always wonder about Klingon scientists mm-hmm. and Klingon, like, I don't know. I mean, they clearly exist. Well, obviously, they're a, they're a warp culture. Mm. They've obviously gotten, you know, into space. So there must be engineers and, you know, scientists yeah. and stuff like that. I just can't picture it at all. I it, it feels like one of those things where they have them and they have a very specific job, but the, the Klingons you see do not want to talk about them at all. Right. Uh, and of course, we're recording from my home, so you're hearing all sorts of various noises. <laughs> you're hearing alarms and my dog scratching herself and, and airplanes, so enjoy that, won't you? Mm. <laughs> Matt's in town for the Penny Arcade Expo. Yes. So we're recording on the comfort of my couch. Hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, Klingon uh, suicide bombers, that was a bit weird. That actually doesn't surprise me at all, that they would find guys who are all like, I'll give my life for the Empire. Yeah, it seems like, you know, that would be honorable somehow. Actually, no, it wouldn't come to think of it. That does seem a little Romulan. Like, because you you should face them in battle sort of thing. It feels like they should do, you know, they should give their adversary a a fair chance. Yeah, I was trying to think that through. That's one of those things where it's like, I could see it working, but I'm not quite... I think... It's off. Well, I think if you're facing another Klingon, it feels off. Yeah. Maybe if you're doing it in a war against... You know, a different race that would be different, mm. but it feels I mean, unless like, Duras is like has like Kling- like other shitty Klingons working for him, that could be, which is possible. Like all the really crappy Klingons went and lived it with it at him, like Klingon Steve. Yeah, Kling- <laughs> <laughs> I think you'll find it Steve. Uh, of course. Oh, the big thing we haven't mentioned: uh, uh, Jonathan Frakes directed this episode. Was this his? his what, I don't know was if it his was first direction. I, Gev, do you know if it was his first one or not? I know he directed. No, it. I don't think it's his first one. Okay, I couldn't tell you what his first one was. But. Well, that's that's fine. Um, I, I, I mean, it was good. The direction was good. Mm-hmm. Like there were some fairly complicated things happening, and he pulled it off. And of course. He will go on to direct quite a few good episodes, so much so that they ended up giving him a couple of the movies, which yep. was nice. Um, but yeah, that's that's why. We're, well, I was going to say that's why Riker's not in it much. But really, if you think about it, this was mostly the Wharf show. The Wharf show featuring Picard. Yeah, yeah Picard had some stuff, but I mean, uh, Beverly had a handful of lines. Troy had like one line. Now I have a note in here where it's like, oh, and uh, Jordy and Data show up in a cameo appearance about halfway through the episode. Right. But it's nice because they're confident enough in their ensemble mm-hmm. that they don't have to give everyone something to do every week. This yeah. is this is Worf's story, and they don't have to, you know. That that's one of the key differences between this and Classic Trek. Classic Trek, by the end, was all about what what's Kirk up to. It's the Kirk show featuring his good friends Spock, Spock and, and Bones, Bones, and then sometimes the rest. And then there are others. With this one, it's like we have he, here's everyone. Everyone gets a shot at doing something. Yeah. Eventually, everyone gets to do something cool except Beverly. Well, no, we and we weren't a fan of the Beverly episode, but she was. They, they, give, they give her, her yeah. an hour. And I think it's next week where Troy gets her awful mm-hmm. story for this season. <laughs> Does her mother show up? No, actually. I said awful. I like her mother. <laughs> Does her mother or chocolate show up? <laughs> well, that's the only thing about her. So, <laughs> Oh, no, my chocolate mother. <laughs> <laughs> Kill me. <laughs> uh, so anything else, gentlemen, or shall we press forward? Um, 
The only thing I was going to say was Picard. Uh, I like that he couldn't discuss Worf's discommendation uh, without two forms of ID. <laughs> That's a good point. No, I, and I actually like that. I like the way they sort of talk around it and they say Doris is not to be trusted. Why? Uh, that's classic. Yeah, shut up. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> shut up. All right, uh, Gav, you have a quote for us? Yes, I do, don't I? Yes, you do. You, you uh, better. <laughs> the quote that I have that would be played thusly. Yes, it's the uh, it's whenever Picard is talking to Juras, um, and they're just discussing when to do the Sanchi ceremony. The Sanchi ceremony will take place in one hour aboard Kempex vessel. One hour? What is the delay? There is no delay. It is the time I have chosen. Yeah, I loved that. Mm-hmm. I love that bit, and then I love the way he's trying to uh, stretch it out, like you mentioned in your summary, like, uh, well, the traditional way is to do it for six days. Uh-huh. I, I love the idea that, well, first I fought a guy in the war of whatever. <sighs> and then I fought another guy and he died. <laughs> and then that guy, yeah, they both hate it. But My father who fought a guy... <laughs> All right, so pressing forward, Matt, why don't you future some imperfect? All right, here's future imperfect. So Riker, Worf, and Geordi beam down to some planet that might could possibly have a secret Romulan base on it, maybe. Unfortunately, it's also wicked poisonous, something we probably should have checked on before we all (laughs) beam down, and it knocks the shit out of our guys. Riker wakes up in in sickbay, only to discover that 16 years have passed, and he is now a captain with badly applied Reed Richards sideburns. Apparently the poison causes a delayed coma that makes you forget everything that ever happened to you after you were infected, which makes completely perfect sense who does who says it doesn't. <laughs> so now Billy Boy has to reintegrate himself with the crew, and such dramatic changes. Data is now a commander. Geordi has eyes. Worf has not changed at all. <laughs> and Picard is now an ambassador to the Romulans. What? Picard, Skunk Stripe Troy, and Ambassador to Starfleet Tomalock in his last appearance before he gets replaced by a much shittier character, mm-hmm. arrive on board the Enterprise so that Riker can negotiate peace with the Romulans, despite his excessive brain damage. He returns to his quarters only to learn that he also has a son, which nobody bothered to mention for like a day. Seriously. Anyway, Riker tries to pull up a picture of his kid, named Jean-Luc, because after he took his ship, Riker felt the only way to show he was superior to Picard was to take his name to his mother, and she is revealed to be Minouette, you know, the hologram chick from season one. So clearly she doesn't exist, and neither does this stupid reality. So Riker goes to the bridge and yells at everyone until everything vanishes, and it turns out the whole thing was a Romulan trick, a ploy to start a war. <laughs> Tom Lott gloats a little, and then tosses Riker in a cell with the kid who played his son. They plot an escape, which little Jean-Luc is just a wee bit too good at. And when he slips up again, calling Tomalock an ambassador, the jig is up. Wee Jean-Luc is, reveals that he is actually an alien running a sophisticated simulation of reality after his mother was killed. Riker decides to bring the kid back to the Enterprise, and the kid reveals his true form, the I-bring-you-love alien, Mr. Burns. <laughs> Good morning, Starshine. The Earth says hello. You twinkle above us, we twinkle below. All right. So that. this one was... I liked it. I liked it. But weird. Oh, I didn't... I wasn't a fan of the reveal, whereas Gav actually said he was... He he actually liked it. Mm. But, uh... Eh, Yes? 
Yes. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, well, I like the fact that it's big, you know, future, um, intrigue and all, but then mm-hmm. that's all just a red herring and it's all just about, uh, a, a lonely child mm-hmm. who, who wants a friend, which, he was sad, uh, really. which is very Star Trek. It is very Star Trek, and this, in in some form, could have been an original series episode. They probably wouldn't have put a lo- pulled it off as well. No, they didn't have the budget to make a future Enterprise mm-hmm. and, and so forth. But yeah, it, it felt very original series. I didn't think that fit, but I can I can see the argument that you know it's a Star Trek plot because it definitely is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, good thing, bad thing. Uh, okay, so my good thing is uh, I like Days of Future Past Enterprise, which I always think that sort of thing is really cool, like the possible futures and. Mm-hmm. This was really neat. Uh, every, they sort of kept it, you know, to a logical conclusion where everyone ends up. Right. Except that everyone's still on the Enterprise after 16 years. Well, yeah, you have to bend that a little bit. And Worf has not been promoted at I, all. I love Worf <laughs> up, he's up at the, up at the spot ops, I guess, yeah. where, where Data is. And he doesn't fit there, and like, physically, literally, no, he doesn't he's, fit he's there. crouched, he's almost hunched over. His, his like, uh, his knees are up, uh, almost up to his chin. And he's just so uncomfortable there and glowering at the control panel. What does this do? What is happening? I don't know how this even works. <laughs> he, he just, he's so out of place there and it's great. I also, I always enjoy when we're in the, the, the wrong future or whatever, somebody has a scar. So Worf has his giant of course. face scar because that's the future. That's how you can tell. That and uh, Data's wearing red. Mm-hmm. Which he looks rather striking in. I I didn't think so, but I guess the two of you disagree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, fancy, I, I suppose. Like a fancy man, I suppose. Uh, uh, and my bad thing. So the whole Romulan thing at the end felt like it went on too long. It wasn't bad, but it was really easy to figure out that this was also a fake reality, and that kind of killed the story for me. Hang on, it's a fake. It's a fake. <laughs> okay, Sorry. but the worst thing was little Jean Luc's. Re- Ridiculous alien costume. I mean, look, the makeup as a whole is bad in this one, but good God, that's a shitty costume. Also, as a longtime comic reader, can we please stop calling things future imperfect? <laughs> See, I will totally disagree with you on the on the makeup. I think most of the age makeup was quite good. Really? You look at Beverly, it's not that usual painting age lines mm. on, painting jowls on, and like... You know what I mean? Like, it was subtle. Like, I think they just didn't put the women in as much makeup. Mm. So they looked a little older, and they just put her hair up, and she looked legitimately old. And when I first saw this episode years ago, I thought Riker's makeup was ridiculous, too. And now, Matt, I don't know if you can see, my beard (laughs) is going gray in very strange spots. Oh, my God. That is weird. That's how it happens naturally. You don't just go gray. It's you got little patches of it. And I got a stripe right under my chin here Mm -hmm. that is gray, and everything else is still red, and it's... Just bizarre. That's how it happens. He did still have Reed Richards hair, though. That's true, but it wasn't like uh, Roger Corman Reed Richards hair, where you could have, the, where you could see the paint at the top of his ear. No, that's what Troy had. I yeah, Troy she had serious skunk stripe. Her her hair wasn't great, but again, her face, like mm. the face on the women, I think looked good because they they sort of enhanced the bags under the eyes a little bit, mm-hmm. but they didn't really do the over the top. Like I said, in all good things, they give in particular Beverly mm-hmm. these wrinkles that just look. Terrible. They look like alien makeup or something. It's I just, sure am old, John Luke. Yeah. Me too. I I liked uh, Picard's um, sort of longer hair and beard. I, I totally thought he should have a, like a ponytail tied at the back. Kev, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you said you, you weren't a fan of the whole Robin Hood beard thing, but I kind of liked it. No, I didn't really. But that's just the thing with future things is they just put a 
Uh, put a beard uh, on somebody. It will make you gray or put a beard on you. Wait, so are you in the future right now, Al? Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. This is this is an alternate future, I <laughs> oh, guess. man. I don't know. Yeah, you're um, not actually there. There's there's a kid there creating all this for you because he wants a friend. I hate that kid. Is that kid really posing as my dog because it knows I hate kids? <laughs> that might actually be it. <laughs> because I show love and affection to my dog all the time. That must oh. be it. You when you when When I watched the episode the second time... There's a scene where Riker's hugging his fake kid in the turbo lift, and it's like, all of this exists just for that. Yeah. That's all he wanted. He just wanted a hug. And the weirdest thing is that, like, that kid doesn't even show up until halfway through the episode. Right? Yeah, that's true. So it's just like, well, somewhere on the bri- on the bridge, my father is around, and he's very pleased. I'll just wait for him. <laughs> Eventually he'll show up and give me a hug. You make him sound English. I know, he I don't know why. He wasn't English at all. Uh, Gav, what about you? Good thing, bad thing? Uh... Well, the good thing was uh, that, uh, you know, it was a huge plot, and then you've got the, the lonely kid. Uh, mm-hmm. My bad thing, I suppose, would be the, the the final line. I didn't really like it. Uh, the, uh, to me, you'll always be Jean-Luc. Uh, all right, when he reveals his... racist. Yeah, he reveals <laughs> his actual form and his actual name. Mm. And Rekka's like, oh, no, 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 you're Jean-Luc. <laughs> you're, not, you're not whatever the hell your name is. <laughs> my real name is... No, no, I'm afraid it isn't. No, John Luke, that's easier to say. <laughs> I'll call I'd you love... Billy Bob. <laughs> Here, I strum this banjo. I love that Riker's ideal future is Picard being proud of him. <clears throat> that just calls back to Yuck. his daddy issues with Picard. I love that. That that is his like. That's the main thing. Is that Picard says, you've done a very good job. I'm very proud of you. You're my favorite. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, the um, the, the fact that he named his kid Jean-Luc, of course he did. Uh, yeah. Are you really surprised? No. No. Did they have, Matt, you, you've read more of the books. Have Has Deanna and Riker had a kid? I think they have. It hasn't been born yet, last oh, okay. I checked. I'm way behind on the Titan books because they're not very good. Ah. I suspected not. Uh, so my good thing, I, there's so many great subtle character details and callbacks. Like everyone you check in with in the fake future has something that's a nice little callback to something else. Um, references to Tomalock, uh, Minuet, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, between this episode and the previous one, we're really starting to get a sense that these characters exist in a continuous narrative. Mm-hmm. The events of the, fa- of the past affect the future, yeah. which is nice. It's not like one-offs. You're starting to feel this this sort of overall... Not exactly an overall story, mm-hmm. but at least, like, you know, like we people were, are changing. We were talking last week about how both the episodes we watched tied into shitty aspects season one. of season one. Yeah, whereas this actually is... Well, Minuet really, wasn't bad. No, well, no, I'm not saying she is. I'm saying that, it like, this was a really good way of, do, of tying into something that happened in season one. Like, right. That was a really sort of obscure thing that works really well for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think um, it was amazing that they got the actress who played Minuet back for literally a five-second uh, no-lines cameo. Yep. They must have paid through the nose for that. Well, that's the thing, is the way the Actors Guild works is you only get paid a certain amount if you don't talk. Mm-hmm. If you have lines, you get paid more. Right. So a non-speaking role pays nothing. You're, wow. you're basically an extra. So that was that's interesting. Um... So yeah, I I really enjoyed this. I really I really liked it. Uh, however, my bad thing, I like the fake future, but it sort of falls apart in the last act. Um, my my bad thing is effectively Gav's good thing. Yay! Which is I just I don't know. I it felt like it felt a little contrived that this one child had all the power to create this perfect reality, mm-hmm. 
and uh, suspension of disbelief, that's fine. I honestly would have believed more that the Romulans did it than he did it. I actually like the one. The thing I, I do like about the Romulan ending is that they realize that you know, like from the second Riker that you find that Riker is in the future, you're like, okay, so clearly they're going to fix this in some way. So now it's just a matter of waiting to see what what's actually happening. Maybe, but I mean, you could like all good things had a future that they ended up changing. You know what I mean? Like, it was the real future at that point. Yeah, but that's also the last episode. That's true. But I think there are ways to do that. Didn't, uh, Gav, didn't Voyager do things where you'd have a future and then you go back and change it or something like that? Uh, I seem to recall a couple of episodes like that. Remember? Year of Hell, right? No. Well, there was was Year of Hell. There was a future one, but then that was... No, there was that one, the Year year of Hell, which, 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 yeah, I think we we saw, and then they went back and wiped it all out, and it was changed because it was Yeah, and that was... That was one of my, like, big complaints about Voyager was that episode, because cool stuff finally started happening, and then, like, nah, never mind. But I'm saying that's an excuse to, like, if you had done something along those lines, there's a way mm-hmm. where Riker could have gone back in time for some reason, yeah. or, you know, something. It didn't It didn't necessarily have to be a fake future, is what I'm saying. But my point is that they know that it, like, they know that you know that it's probably going to resolve back to the way it was at the end. Well, yeah. So then they, so they give you an ending that is... Like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it's, it's the Romulus. Romulus. Okay. It's right. Tomalock again. I yeah, remember this guy. Fine. And then they, and then, you know, they start, like, showing you stuff that's wrong with this current reality. And right. My only problem is that they do that really quickly. Yeah, that's true. That is Which I guess point. is partly because they don't have a whole lot of time. Well, really, if you're writing this episode and you're breaking it down, the most interesting thing for the audience is seeing the future Enterprise. Mm. Seeing Geordi without a visor. Seeing, yep. you know, Worf with a scar, whatever. But, oh you know, boy, a scar. See, but, seeing Worf with a Ferengi boss. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a Ferengi at uh, Wesley Station, which is also weird. I, I also love that there are different women on the ship that Riker hasn't seen before. And as they're walking by, he's like, hey. Say. And then he'll realize, oh, God, they were three years old when I when I went into my coma. I say, I'm going to prison. <laughs> you, you're not wrong that the, the coma thing, like the 16-year the memory gap is, is a little strange. I mean, even in an infinite universe, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. On the other hand... My biggest problem with it wasn't how it worked. My biggest problem was everyone was fine to let him go back to work with that condition. But, I mean, even that works in, like, that's one of those... If the kid's playing off making Riker an ideal future, then, of course, Riker thinks that he can do this. Yeah, but he never did. One of the things I was pointing out when we when we watched the episodes just now was Riker is angry for this entire episode. Everyone's like, um, you just woke up. What?! You know, here's here's the Ferengi on the bridge. What? What? Yeah, like he's just scowling and angry, and it's good. It's good acting because he's incredulous, and then he's disbelieving, mm-hmm. and it works. But it's just like Frakes. I think smiles once with the kid, and otherwise he's just angry the You're whole my time. My new friend. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then he's staring angrily at him a lot of other times. Well, yeah. Once he figures out that he's fucking <laughs> with his head, yeah. Who are you? What's your angle? <laughs> your name's not Jean Luc. It's not Jean-Luc at all. Wait, yes it is. You'll always be Jean-Luc. Maybe that's a punishment. The kid's like, oh, man. <laughs> that's, that's a threat. You'll always be Jean-Luc to me shaking his fist. I like how it's just like, and we'll be friends forever now. Go live with Worf's parents. <laughs> that's the joke that I made, actually. <laughs> of course it is. Um, we, we actually opened the episode with um, Riker's birthday party. Yep. Which was nice. Um, 
Once again, Troy. And his tromboning. Ah, uh, yes, his his horrible tromboning. Mm-hmm. I, I, well, we got to see him tromboning from time to time. That's part of his character. Yeah. Um, but you you actually see Troy, as we've mentioned many times before, in a casual setting where she's kind of funny because she's giving him a hard time. Like, uh, well, maybe your tromboning will improve with age. Mm-hmm. Like she's so good when she's being yep. off duty, casual, not so stiff counselor it's type. Just the well. Captain, if only we do this. Yeah, no. I'm sensing a thing. But she's, especially with Frakes, she's got that great chemistry where mm. you can, they really seem like actual friends. And then the exact opposite at the end when uh, when Riker's doing his whole, you're not real, and you're not real. Yeah. <laughs> she literally just goes, well, I'm sensing, I'm some sensing hostility. that you're yeah. upset. I'm yelling at people. Uh, the one good thing about Deanna, and this isn't Marina Sirtis, this is just costuming. Mm. First time we see her in a uniform. Yeah. And it took them two more years to realize, hey, that's that a, good a good idea. Look. Yeah. Now, I was actually reading a lot of the stuff that happens in the future of this episode uh, ends, ends up happening. true, and it's actually really cool. Yeah, the uh, the com badges with the yep. the square instead of the circle. Stuff we like get, that. Uh, Little stuff. What, we get a Frankie Starfleet officer. Yeah, Geordi with eyes. Geordi with eyes. Uh, Troy gets a real uniform. There mm-hmm. was one more. I don't know. All right, Minuet become, becomes Minuet alive. becomes a real person. Yes, becomes a real boy. <laughs> becomes a real boy. Yeah, Mr. Burns shows up. <laughs> what? The, the the alien cause. Oh right, the, right, right. The, Just oh, it completely reminded me. With, I bring you love, <laughs> Burns. I it wasn't great. It looked like it might have belonged in the original series, or maybe uh, sorry, Gavin, maybe, in, a, in a classic episode of Doctor Who. Maybe but, a uh, shittier program. The, the alien sort of reminds me of uh, that. Uh, Little tiny creature in the Flintstones that uh, that oh, annoys uh, <laughs> Fred Flintstone. Hello, Dum Dum. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the kid had the same powers. Yeah, that's just true. Going around screwing with Riker. Yeah, just changing his reality around yep. him. Um, actually, getting back to Troy real quick, I did like that she was his diplomatic aide. That mm. was something we've been saying she'd be much better at. Yeah, sort of helping Picard be a diplomat and, and using her powers to kind of, you know, affect negotiations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, way better than what she actually does. Yeah. Which um, still not super clear on. No, no. I'm really. helping. Uh-huh. I'm no, helping yeah. you. <laughs> I'm sensing some hostility. Are you really? No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> it was it was very disconcerting to me that nobody wore rank pips. Mm-hmm. Like, where's the pips? Oh, I, I can tell you exactly where the pips are. They're yeah? on the com badges. What? Yeah. No, there's one, like, some people have one. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I can... Riker I can has four. I can see it in my head now, yeah. The only time it breaks down is with uh, Picard, who also had four, but I guess it's because he has a different uniform. That could be. No, yeah, his, I was... his uniform looked like a football jersey. Yes. <laughs> the fighting Picards. Except yes. it was too big for him because it also sort of doubled as a skirt. Like, it came down below where his belt usually would be. I'm wearing a skirt. <laughs> I'm very pretty today. <laughs> Council Troy combed my hair and everything. And my beard. Yes. I have a ponytail. <laughs> I because I was I was looking for the pips because I was curious how many changes there would have been mm-hmm. in sixteen years and who would have been promoted. Like if everyone's still at their same rank or if they bothered to, to look at, you know, those kind of details. Right. Because really you don't get a lot of time with anybody but sort of Riker and Picard. Mm-hmm. You don't get like Jordy turns around and doesn't have a visor and that's really it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Data's in red, and it's like, ah! Hi, I was here all along. Yeah. These are my pretty eyes. Ugh. This must have been uh, LeVar Burton's favorite episode. <laughs> you mean I don't have to wear that stupid thing? I love you guys forever. 
Why can't I have cloned eyes right now? Well, there's a, there's a story in season six or seven where Worf is disguising himself as, as a different kind of humanoid, and he's got a hood over where his ridges would be. Mm. So I don't think Doran had to wear the Klingon makeup that week. That must have been his favorite. <laughs> uh, whereas whereas uh, Brent Spiner never gets a break. No. Sorry, Brent. When oh. when he plays someone that isn't Data, he plays Lore, he plays Soong. Still in heavy, heavy makeup. Yep. No matter what. Or when he plays young Soong without any makeup, he's still got to play Data. Yep. Or. So he's just screwed either way. He's, he played a human in Star Trek. Um, Did did he? Uh, one of Soong's ancestors in Enterprise. Oh, right. You said you said so Star Soong. Trek, Gav. Jim Soong. I'm going to have to correct Star- you there. In Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm ruling that inadmissible. Bah. <laughs> uh, the only other note that I had here of consequence was every time Riker uh, asks the computer for something, it says, I'm sorry, could you try that again? Which is exactly what Siri does to me every fucking time. <laughs> See, you're in alternate reality. I guess so. Yeah, it, it's just basically stalling to keep my data plan. Like, mm-hmm. the more I use it, the more I have to pay. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for that, Siri. Mm-hmm. It's like a hooker. Anyway, <laughs> any any further points from the two of you? Um, Speaking of hookers, Min. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Min, the hologram hooker. <laughs> I yeah. I did like that, though. I just like that The two episodes we had Worf and, and the son and Riker and his son. Yeah, that was that was weird. I don't know mm-hmm. if they did that deliberately or not. This is really the season of family stuff, though, because you had Picard yeah, it really is. Picard going back home, uh-huh. and then you had um, uh, the one after. Oh, Data meeting his father, mm-hmm. and then while it wasn't a good episode, you had Tasha's sister. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of family stuff happening this year, and yep. I'm sure Luxana will come back at some point. Mm-hmm. Like everyone's dealing with That's their family. Pretty much everyone. Yeah, everyone of consequence. Anyway, yeah. well, and of course Bevers. Family is just always on the ship. Are we calling her Bever now? Yeah, Bever. That's that's official, huh? <laughs> All right, fair enough. That's that third syllable. It's irritating. To yeah, me. I I got you there. Uh, Gav, any further? Um, well, there's Riker's hollow porn of Min sickens Tomalock. Uh, that's one note I made. <laughs> I like I like that his memory, his mo- like the person he's been in love with, is fake. Yep. Like all the women we know, he's been with. And she's the one he remembers the most. That's yes. really strange. Over Troy. Yes, over yep. Troy, over all those planets that he's, you know, like, obviously slept with women. And we've seen him, like, hitting on junior officers. I mean, mm-hmm. he's made his way around. Yep. And, uh, yeah, Minuet's the one he The remembers. one that stands out in his head. The one that can most easily be plucked from his brain by, yeah. a, lonely t- by a lonely little boy. Right. And that little boy... Grew up to be Roy Cohn. No. Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. He'll always be Jean-Luc to me. Uh, anything else? Apparently I remarked a bit on uh, Tom Locke's flood pants. <laughs> I can't imagine how those Romulans walk around in those nope. things. Especially the shoulder pads. It looks like they can only bend at the elbow. Mm-hmm. They can't move their shoulders at I all. I feel like it's a way for them to be, like, <laughs> to keep very organized in Romulan society. Like, they can only stand two abreast. Oh, as as... Visually, mm. I think it's very cool, but it practically just doesn't work. No, but Can then we please stop wearing shirts that are expanded in all directions <laughs> by like a foot. They also love that sort of bedding quilt pattern. Yep, like uh, when when uh, Picard or uh, Riker 
and the kid are locked in the uh, one of the many storage rooms. <laughs> yep, they sure of, need a lot of storage. It's like a it's like one of those you store it facilities that just have endless you know cavities where you can put things. But it's it's covered in that quilting material mm. that, that like the the surface of a mattress looks like. Mm. Like the Romulans love that pattern, I guess. I don't know. I also like in. Uh... In uh, Riker's cell, someone apparently left a big roll of chicken wire just lying on the ground. <laughs> well, it's better than those fucking barrels that are in all the yeah. uh, all the all the underground rebel cities we keep seeing. <laughs> those are fire barrels, so they can warm their disgusting hands on them. <laughs> on the planet of hobo rebels, while wearing fingerless gloves. Oh Christ! Set down your bindle and sidle up for yeah. Uh. Welcome to the hobo rebel planet of Bindal Four. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Uh, no, There's the Curtis can... Creek program, with the, you know, the fishing program they talked about. I just uh, hope it's the same one that they use in Deep Space Nine. In fact, there's only one fishing program, because why would the, you have another one? The One Creek. See, I was thinking about that, but then I was thinking, you know, there are a lot of uh, fishing video games. Yeah, there are but, way but more why? fishing video games in there. Yeah, well, I, that I can't answer, but I know that they exist. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think when Matt goes to PAX today, I bet he'll see a demonstration for a new fishing game. I'm looking forward to it. Are you? Mm -hmm. No, not even a little. Okay. I can't. I can't maintain that lie. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> Pulled in a uh, two foot trout here. Yeah, that's fun times. I'm trying to think of any scenario where that would be fun. I guess the holodeck one where you can get out on the water, but then. Fuck the fishing, just go out on a boat. Yeah. And you just know as soon as Picard walks past the holodeck, it'll open and Wesley will throw a fish out accidentally or something. <laughs> well, that's when you when we were talking about if, if he'd ever met Alexander, I was trying to think of an embarrassing scene where Alexander would have thrown something at him. Because, of course, that would be what, how they would meet. And then I couldn't think of that, so they must not have ever met because, yeah. you know. He's never humiliated him in any way. <laughs> Throws a bat left at him. Right. Whoops! <laughs> no, He's it would have to be like... He's hmm? got to have met him in that uh, the higher the fewer episode, the the one with uh, Luxwana and uh, teaching Alexander how to have fun or something. Mm. Oh, I remember that, but I I don't know. Oh, but they would have met in um, uh, my favorite episode, Rascals. Of course, because little John <laughs> Luke is put in uh, class and Alexander's there. Mm -hmm. Hello, uh, Captain. Uh, I outrank you now. He pushes him down. <laughs> Apparently in my head, all Star Trek children are British. I guess. They're all, like, Dickensian urchins <laughs> to you. Well. If the shoe fits. Uh-huh. All right. Uh, so let's let's wrap this up, gentlemen. Any uh, final thoughts? Yeah. That's it for me, I think. Yeah. Here's my quote. What's the problem? I've had to shut down the warp engines, Captain. What? Antimatter containment fields are fluctuating. There's nothing to worry about, though. We're in the edge of the neutral zone at impulse power, and you're not concerned? I'll have the engines back online in no time. Like you track down that faulty processing accelerator. I'm running a level one diagnostic. For 30 hours? I would never take you more than four. You're incapable of that level of incompetence, Mr. LaForge. Worf? Where did you get that scar? In combat. What battle? When? Which sector? Which unit? Mr. Data, if we left immediately, when would we arrive at Outpost 23? At warp one, three days, four hours. What about at warp seven? At warp eight? At warp nine? What's the matter, Data? What happened to those millions of calculations per second? Pardon me, sir. 
I'm experiencing subspace interference, which limits my abilities. I can't operate as quickly as... What did you say? I said I cannot operate... No. That's not what you said. You said I can't. You used a contraction, didn't you? Sir, I can explain if you would just give me a moment... No, you can't. Don't even try. Captain, perhaps it would be best if we discuss this... Shut up! I said, shut up. As it close your mouth and stop talking. Will, I sense how upset you are. You're angry and impatient. Deanna, back off. Well, would anyone else like to speak up? Or shall we end this charade? All right, that's a good quote. <laughs> Very good. I do. I like the uh, the whole Riker yells at everyone scene, especially the Picard stuff. Yeah. No, that's fantastic. Shut up. Close your mouth. Yeah. Stop talking. No, that, that got a laugh out of me both times. I yep. quite enjoyed that. All right. Well, uh, Gav, I feel like we just plugged this on our other show because we did. <laughs> but you're here, and we should tell the fine people that you have a... Doctor Who podcast that reviews Doctor Who the way we review Star Trek. Why don't you tell us about it? And well, I just did, but you can tell them how to get there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on uh, drunkentimeshow.blogspot.com, and uh, infeasibly, it's also on iTunes. So yeah. uh, enjoy that. And why don't you? I dare you to enjoy it. I defy you to enjoy it. <laughs> It's it's a fine program. It is. Yes, it is. Uh, and with that, oh, uh, that's the other thing. We're going to be doing, we've mentioned this before, but I wanted to reassure you people that this is in the works. We're definitely doing it. We're going to be doing a crossover mm -hmm. with uh, with Irish Gav and his co-host English Gav at some point in the near future uh, where we compare and contrast uh, Star Trek and Doctor Who. Yes. Uh, currently, the the uh, IDW comic has been going on, the... Um, the crossover between those two things. Fourth or fifth issue just came out. And they're they they're up to like thirty issues or something planned, so we mm -hmm. might not wait till the end of that to get to it. <laughs> I will say sometime before the end of this year we will get to that yeah. though, because I know a few people have expressed some interest in that and uh that should be a good time. Yes. Yeah, it should be fun. Yeah. And with that, uh I don't know what's coming next week. This is usually when I when I tease next week. I'm not sure though. Next week. Star Trek. Yes. <laughs> Next time on Star Trek, the next generation. Captain Riker is a murderer. <laughs> and with that, Matt, do your thing that you do. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.